Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Molino-Connors, a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. Today is a conversation with my friend, Andrea Jolly. Andrea is a recruitment leader with nearly a decade of experience in the field of talent acquisition, assessment, and development, working directly with many Fortune 500 companies. She is fully versed in the full life cycle recruitment process and working with clients, hiring managers, and key stakeholders at all levels. Andrea loves to help people on their career journeys, especially when it comes to resume building, ways to network effectively, and practicing self-care during all phases of a job search. I first met Andrea many years ago as we would frequent the same fitness classes. If you happen to listen to a previous podcast episode with Cherie Dunwell or Karina Beltry, where we chatted about our friend group that Karina dubbed The Investments, well, Andrea is a part of that group as well. I am so excited to welcome Andrea to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining me today on the Dr. MC podcast. I'm so excited to hear more about how you like to practice self-care in your journey. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So let's just dive right in. I want to know right off the bat how you like to practice self-care. Uh, you know, ever since you started this whole endeavor, um, I have been naturally drawn to it because I'm such a proponent of self-care. Um, and I understand too, that it is not the same for everyone. Um, that's the biggest thing. A lot of people, uh, you know, have, uh, I guess said, oh, maybe it's a face mask or, you know, a bath or something, but it doesn't always have to look like that. And, you know, no offense if that is your, your jam. Um, I also love a good face mask. Um, but, uh, for me personally, I think that's evolved over the course of my life and where I'm at now. Um, a lot of it has to do with, uh, moving and just, mm. you know, maybe getting a little glisten or sweat on my skin, um, whether it's going outside and taking my dog for a walk, um, even in the midst of a busy work day, um, or hopping on my Peloton bike or my tread, Uh, I really just, I feel so much better after I do even, you know, a 20 minute workout. Uh, It doesn't have to be anything intense, but for me, it's about just moving a little bit and, you know, flushing out all the negativity or, you know, maybe just having a bad day or something, or even if I'm having a good day, uh, I I just love how I feel afterward and naturally those are your endorphins working. Um, I am also um, on the opposite side of that, a big proponent of rest. Um, So because I exercise, I also understand how important it is to not take it too far, um, especially because rest is what also refuels us um, and puts more gas in our tank for the next day or the day after that. Uh, so I will take a nap, no shame. <laughs> and, no um, shame in naps. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, um, you know, sometimes on a weekend, I will just sit on my couch and do nothing. And it's great. Um, so I'm on both, you know, extreme sides of the spectrum. But for me, uh, it's just about what refuels me, what keeps me feeling good and energized. And it's usually one of those things. 
That's awesome. I also love to move my body. And for me, it's always dance like it's a five minute dance party quick like whatever song i'm vibing on maybe it's lizzo maybe it's anthony ramos like depends on my vibe but um listen to that and just get like out of my head and just feel good and moving my body and i find it very motivating and like head clearing like if i'm about to go into a tough meeting or if i'm about to just even if i'm about to present a workshop like i want to get that energy up i want it depends what like i can make it do what i need it to do um so it's very powerful and you mentioned i know what a peloton bike is i don't know what a tread is what is that (laughs) so um as most of my you know good friends who probably follow me on social media or or have been to my house know that I love me some Peloton. Um, but I've had the bike for um, almost two years now, which is wild. I, I got it right at the start of the pandemic. I really do believe that it saved me. Um, but recently, uh, I was kind of on the market for another treadmill. Um, I had one that a friend had given to me for free, and it was in you know it was in decent shape. Um, it was. Uh, I don't even remember what the brand was, but you know, it was a little dated. So, um, I used it a lot and then I decided, well, uh, Peloton has a treadmill, so I'm going to hop on that train too and complete my home gym. Uh, so I, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a treadmill. I had, I figured it could have been some other wild apparatus that I was not, (laughs) not familiar with. That's awesome. And you do speak very highly of your Peloton bike. And I, I remember when you got it and you were sharing about that on social media and whatnot and um perfect timing for that totally by the way nice job (laughs) yes I I almost I look back and I think wow the timing could not have been better but you know on 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 the topic of probably what we'll touch on a little more today um I had just lost my job due to the pandemic um the company I was working for um had Uh, had some layoffs and I had ordered the bike less than two weeks before that happened. So of course, when it came, um, I was thrilled because I was so excited for it, but that was before, uh, you know, I hit one of my lowest lows. Um, So I I really do have to credit uh, being able to hop on that in the five or six months I was unemployed uh, to, you know, to get, get just some of that energy out that was really all pent up from all of the you know, just the, you know, the downsides of what has happened over the last 18 months or so. Uh, So I, you know, I was, I was really happy that I decided to keep it and stick with it. And uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm almost at 500 rides. So I'm going to keep on going. (laughs) That's awesome. And it's important too, what you said when you started talking about self-care, because I try to drive this point home. It's really up to you to decide what's going to work for you and things like mani pedis baths bubble baths like whatever that's fine but that's also not like really self-care like what you're describing andrea with movement like we're really talking about like getting into how you function and like what makes you you and what makes you feel good so it's more than an occasional spa day, I mean, or a mani-pedi, like that's great, but that doesn't really get to the fundamental aspects of how you show up every day and how you care for yourself so you can be the best version possible. It's much, much more powerful than a bubble bath. <laughs> yes. And trust me, I am a huge fan of so many other things that kind of fall under the umbrella of self-care. I, I love a good mani-pedi day. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that 
you know, like you just said, it, it, the things that you select for yourself to be able to practice true self-care is what, um, is what drives your, your everyday function. Uh, so it, it has to be something that really just stays with you for the rest of your day or gives you that boost that you need, whether you're moving or you're not moving. So, um, it's, it's really either or, (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you were you just reminded me when you were talking too, and I hope you don't mind my mentioning this. Um, but your wedding was also impacted by COVID. So not only did you have you had a lot to manage. What was what would you say movement was really the way that really helped you manage the stress of all of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I had only been engaged for about four months when the pandemic started. So I went from this really big, huge high of starting to, you know, make plans for our wedding the following year to, oh my God, is it even going to happen? Uh, and luckily it did, uh, on the date that it was supposed to at the venue, it was supposed to, although it was much, much smaller, which still turned out to be the perfect day. Um, but all the months leading up to it, oh my gosh, yeah, I was um, pretty much a, a nervous wreck for the most part. And I'm already an anxious person by nature. Uh, so I think that a lot of the things that just compounded on top of each other last year were, um, you, you know, enough to, enough to keep my mind uh, turned on way too much. And the only time I really had to calm that down and to try to turn it off was when I was exercising, when I was moving. And I spent a lot of time outside last year since I was um, temporarily unemployed. And um, I also, you know, really, I really do credit um, all of the things that I experimented with and tried. And, you know, when I was on my bike to, uh, to uh, maintaining my sanity, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, that was, that's a lot. And I think it's, it's an important reminder too, like you said, even little short bursts of movement or being on the bike just for a few minutes um, had a benefit. So that's awesome. Absolutely. So I know you have extensive work in talent acquisition and recruiting. And so you recently launched the Jolly Recruiter, which is, I think, such a great name. Can you tell me more about that and and what that means? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I started my journey in recruiting uh, in talent, both acquisition and development management back in 2013. So I've, I've been in the field for coming up on a decade, not too, not too far away now, which is crazy. Uh, but I fell into it almost by accident. And uh, it was a happy accident because I am now doing things that really uh, just are in my heart. Um, I, I think by nature, I've always wanted to help people. And that means that I can touch them in some way and help impact their life in a positive way. And the way I do that is through hiring. Um, so I started out entry level. I was um, I was working in downtown Boston actually at the, at the time and I had gone to school there. So it felt like a naturally a good fit to kind of stay in the same place or similar place. And um, I, I, you know, moved up into senior and team lead roles and um, I, eventually uh, found myself in kind of more of a recruitment operations manager type role um, years later down the road, um, where I learned more about systems and tools and how, you know, processes really do impact the recruiting process 
us uh, and how, you know, so much of what we do in hiring impacts candidates. Uh, so uh, I was doing that before I was laid off uh, last spring, and uh, now I am recruiting for an organization called Reach Hire, and uh, I, I do really feel like a lot of the work I do now has, um, has really come full circle from where I started because my mission has always been to help people, like I said, uh, and now I'm helping people who have taken a career break, uh, you know, for one reason or another, and I'm, I'm helping hopefully place them in a role in one of our programs with one of our partner companies. Um, so uh, typically people who have taken time away from work have, uh, you know, found themselves in a little bit of a challenging transition period where they're not sure where to start. They don't even know if they're qualified for a role because they've taken time away. Uh, so I interview people and, you know, I, I try to help them on their journeys, uh, which motivated me <laughs> in turn to, uh, to start kind of my own little side hustle, um, the Jolly Recruiter. And uh, I, I thought long and hard about that name, by the way. <laughs> just yeah, well, with a last name like Jolly, I feel like it just that just created itself. It's yeah, just amazing. It did. It was, <laughs> it was a very natural, uh, natural fit. Um, but I was, um, I was feeling like I had something more to offer uh, because of my experience so far in talent. And um, I had some friends actually mention to me, hey, Andrea, I think you would probably be really good as someone, you know, who could help with resumes or cover letters or, um, you know, LinkedIn advice, since a lot of networking and hiring takes place on LinkedIn. Uh, so I, uh, I launched that um, earlier this year. And it's really just been kind of a natural progression of me sharing best practices with whoever wants to listen um, and, you know, making time for sharing some of the things that I've learned over the course of my career that will hopefully in turn help people who are maybe on the job search. Um, so I have um, done resumes for, uh, for some folks and uh, I've, I've done some coaching on some LinkedIn profile optimization. So how to best market yourself as, uh, as a candidate, uh, someone who's looking for a job. And uh, it's been really fulfilling. And I, I do think that it's been uh, something that I want to continue doing because it fits in so well with my nine to five. <laughs> so absolutely, even though I've been, you know, pretty busy with my, my full-time job, uh, I enjoy it so much that I wanted to keep extending that opportunity to people uh, who wanted to take advantage. And, uh, you know, I, I offer as much as I can kind of just on a, free basis. Um, but, you know, I also have services that will, um, you know, help people with resumes, cover letters, um, and maybe even LinkedIn, if that's something that you're looking at. Awesome. And I feel like right now, this is such great timing, because a lot of folks are, you know, maybe looking for something new. I think the pandemic kind of has people rethinking some aspects of their lives. So I think this is great timing and a valuable service. And as you know, I'm very interested in like employee retention and employee wellness. It's actually part of what I studied for my dissertation, looking at schools specifically for teacher retention and whatnot. But I'm interested in it, you know, much broader than that. And kind of what are the factors that play into, you know, workplace happiness, job satisfaction, and all of that stuff. So I'm wondering in your work, 
how often questions come up about that, about culture and workplace wellness and stress management. And if employees and employers are taking that into consideration and how they do that. Yes. Uh, so I will say that very much comes up in a lot of conversations, both internally, uh, you know, in my, my full-time role and also externally, when I talk to candidates, you know, I, I definitely play a role both internally and externally where I work. Um, so I, I think you are 100% hitting the nail on the head in terms of that, that is, that is all so much at the forefront right now. People are realizing that, you know, they could definitely take advantage of the job market being the way it is uh, and finding themselves in a new role that is going to better suit them. Maybe it's more money, maybe it's better benefits um, or just naturally a better fit for them. So um, it, it, they all have to be questions. You know, I, I always, I always recommend to hiring managers, um, you know, for our, our partner programs um, with other companies, since we hire for them, uh, you know, what, what does, what do you have to offer to a, a person who would be joining your team? You know, like what, what's your management style? You know, how do you, uh, how do you think that the group works, you know, dynamically. Um, and you always have to be thinking about culture and wellness and, and all of those things, because people don't want to work for you if you don't have those in mind as well. Uh, sure. So I, I would say that, um, you know, it's more about now, at least that I've, I've noticed in, in trends, that it's, it's more about culture ad versus culture fit. Uh, so it's not about, you know, fitting in as a puzzle piece to, you know, this, this larger uh, jigsaw puzzle, which I would refer to as, you know, a work team or, you know, a, a section of an organization, but it's more about maybe not being the piece that fits in and fits perfectly where there's a missing slot, almost like there's some jagged edges and that's what people bring to the table for any job or any company uh, is, is their own unique contributions, their own characteristics. Uh, so on top of that, yes, wellness is, is a huge one. And I think that's why people are, are thinking about, well, do I want to make a move because, you know, I feel okay where I am, but I think there might be better out there for me. And a lot of it probably does have to do with wellness um, because, unfortunately, uh, this work-life balance that we talk about so much almost doesn't exist in, in this day and age. Uh, but it's it needs terrible. The yeah. statistics for the United States for work-life balance are in the gutter. People yeah. don't take their paid time off. They're not taking their sick days. They're not taking their vacation days. And that's, I mean, I blame society for that because that's not what we're celebrated for, right? We're celebrated for being a workaholic and wearing our busyness as some badge of honor. Right. We're not celebrated for taking care of ourselves. <laughs> we need to shift that, Andrea. <laughs> exactly, which is why I'm here and which is why the work you're doing is so important. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, I, I just, I think that since people are, are they're trying to better understand what their own needs are um, and going out and finding what is going to work for them, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's in education, like in the, you know, the world that you live in most of the time, or if it's in corporate America, 
you know, it, it's, it's hard to come by, but it's not as hard as it once was. You see a lot of companies and organizations now offering better, better perks, even though they really shouldn't be perks, they should kind of be uh, non-negotiables. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they should be, they should just be there. And, um, you know, that's your paid time off. That's your, your sick time. If you're sick, you're sick. Um, and, uh, your, of course your pay, that's why you're there. Right. Um, and you know, health, uh, health insurance, dental vision, um, 401k, maybe a match, um, or something comparable. Cause I know in education, it, it's, it's slightly different. Um, but you know, all of those things come together as this package and a lot of companies, you know, throw a little bow on it and say, well, this is what we have to offer. Well, a lot of the time <laughs> there's something missing. And I think that the, uh, you know, the, the jargon that's used in a lot of job descriptions is, uh, well, we have flexible time off and we, you know, uh, aren't all about micromanagement and things like that. And that's all well and good. Uh, but if you're just advertising it and you're not practicing it, then <laughs> that is where you're going to run into problems with big time who end up with your company. Um, so instead of just walking the walk, you have to talk the talk too. Absolutely. And I get frustrated with that too, sometimes in the, in the education arena. And, you know, I've sat in different groups and workshops and whatnot, and, and I've presented so many times on this topic and, you know, I'll have leaders say to me, Oh, well, you know, we offer wellness Wednesday. I'm like, that's fabulous. What does that look like? Right. And, you know, they'll tell me, so like, maybe it's, I don't know, they bring in something or whatever. I'm like, cool. But if the rest of your culture is that you're expecting teachers to work and respond to emails all hours of the night and do all this extra stuff and you're not like your wellness Wednesday is meaningless if like the general culture doesn't also match that. And I know it's hard and, and schools in particular, you know, are definitely set up as systems of oppression. And that's, that's a whole nother uh, podcast episode for a later date, but we have to take that ownership. So I love hearing that, you know, people are coming in on both sides of the table for you and at really asking like, what does this really look like? And don't just tell me that it, you know, this is what it looks like. Can you show me what this looks like? And so I'm wondering what's like the coolest kind of outside the box perk that you've heard of any, any companies offering, um, have you heard of anything like really interesting that's unique? Did you hear about like Google with their like, I don't know, their bouncy ball chairs and like stuff like that? <laughs> but like what's something that's like maybe a little more outside the box? Well, uh, this, you know, this could be viewed as potentially, uh, well, I, I, I think it's out of the box because it's not where it should be. But most people would say, oh, well, that's not really a perk. Uh, to me, it's... Uh, adequate parental leave, uh, or, Ooh. or, you know, actually telling people, well, we give you unlimited vacation and sick time. And we actually require that you use at least two or three weeks per year. Now you can't make people take time, uh, especially if you have an unlimited policy, but this is something that's fairly new. Uh, I, I've only worked at one company that offered something like that, but uh, it was the time where I really did maximize how much time I took off. And I felt so much better because I had that freedom. Uh, and, 
you know, going back to, you know, leave in general, not even just parental leave, but uh, this has been a hot topic for a while now. And it's, uh, absolutely, you know, it's, it really should not be a perk. It should be a non-negotiable. And that goes with so many other things. So, uh, you know, while my answer is probably not, uh, you know, oh, the, the cool chairs in the lobby or, you know, free coffee or whatever, you know, most people expect for an answer to something like that. It's, it's the things that people really want. People at the end of the day don't care about free food or free coffee. You know, most of them drink Starbucks anyway, so they're not even going to drink it in your office. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the cool chairs are, are great too. Um, but how often do you get to sit in them because you're so busy at your desk or because you're in meetings all day? It's really about the things that are important to people at the core. And those are the things that you can't get back, you cannot get time back. So if you can have that time, to me, that's the biggest perk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, there have been some some schools, I'm gonna take it back to schools for a second, although we have, you know, a broad listener base that isn't just educators. But there was a school a couple of years ago. And now at this point, it was pre pandemic did a um, Oh, I think it was in Long Island and it was this whole like wellness kind of center for teachers and they had it set up like with comfy chairs and actually though they took it like one step further and they had counselors and like um, therapists that could come in and like the teachers could make appointments with them and it really like went kind of next level from that like well there's a comfy chair and I thought that was so cool and I realized that was like grant funded and like a whole thing that this the school district was able to do um, but I'd love for more businesses and schools too to kind of jump on that that bandwagon and really look at you know what what is it that's going to really enact change and start dismantling the systems that put us here and the the society just wanting us to work, work, work and really look at, at what that can look like. And I think that that's great. And hopefully, you know, maybe companies will start paying attention to more of that. I mean, I always say to, to people like you have to take the ownership and start pushing back. Like when it comes to self-care, like nobody's going to come save you. Yeah. So you're going to have to save yourself and then we can work to like make it better for the future. Exactly. Agreed important to remember. So we've talked a little bit about how, you know, COVID has changed the game, shall we say, and people are starting to put their health and well-being at the forefront and really reevaluating their work lives. So I'm wondering if you have any advice maybe for someone who's considering a career change or just someone seeking a new opportunity. What what's what's the jolly recruiter's number one advice for that? <laughs> My number one piece of advice is to continue to take care of yourself as you embark on that journey, whether you are shifting careers, maybe you're making a pivot from one industry to another, or you're looking for a new job in the space that you've already worked in. Uh, the, the thing that I, I recommend to every person that I talk to, or, you know, just someone who's curious about my own methods of how I've, I've dealt with that because naturally, even as someone in hiring, I have been recruited and hired too. Uh, so I, I'm pretty much, uh, a self-proclaimed pro at both sides of the fence, but, uh, you, you know, by taking care of yourself during that part of your, your career in your journey, that doesn't just mean, 
you know, doing your standard self-care things, you know, like I alluded to earlier, exercising, don't, don't stop doing that, but you also have to take it one step further and apply that to your self-care routine because you're ultimately taking out more time in your day to make that pivot, to make that change, or to even just get a new job, even if it's in the same type of, you know, industry or field that you've been working in. It's, it's a lot of work. Looking for a full-time job is a full-time job. Uh, so yes, it, it's most certainly is. And between all the time that you spend, you know, applying, prepping for interviews, maybe talking to me about your resume, you know, all of those things, you are ultimately spending a lot of time away from the things that you would normally use for self-care. Uh, so I always tell people that, to start, you should just make something that is going to help you track your efforts. Uh, I'm a big fan of lists, uh, Google Sheets, Excel Sheets, whatever works for you, um, even a Word doc or a Google doc, anything at all, uh, make it a PowerPoint, you know, <laughs> whatever is going Whatever, whatever's going to work. <laughs> right. If you're a more visual person, sometimes images are better. If you like to see words, text, Sometimes that's better. I don't care if it's on your computer or on a notepad and you wrote it yourself. If you track your efforts, when you get to the point where you are accepting a job offer and starting your new job, you're going to look back on all of that and realize how much you actually put in to that. It's going to make you feel proud. So number one, absolutely always document everything, whether that is where you've applied and what positions those were uh, the date. Um, and if you heard back, because unfortunately, you know, a lot of, a lot of places are notorious for not following up with people. And I personally can't stand it, <laughs> but I know, can't either. <laughs> yeah. That's why you have to, you have to document those things because that's how you will learn to follow up. If you are able to, it will help you with your communication skills. Um, whether they're verbal or written in an email. Uh, so all of those things and anything else that you find relevant to yourself um, for, for tracking purposes, keep that together, keep it all in one place, create maybe a separate email address for applying to jobs and you know, keep it simple. <laughs> you don't have to have anything fancy, but um, you know, maybe your first and last name and something you know, with a, a cute jingle to it that it's your job search email. I've seen a few of those uh, actually not too long ago and I thought it was great. Uh, and that way all of your efforts are tracked in one place. All your communications are together. Um, you can keep your calendar organized that way as well with a separate email. Um, and, you know, you're, you're really just trying to hold it together until you can let that nice, deep exhale out at the end of the process and celebrate your new role, uh, because you're going to find it. <laughs> That's great. I love the reminder to still take care of yourself in the process for sure. And somebody, um, it's actually on one of the one of my other podcast episodes, the interview with Julie Sohacki. She was talking about how when she has interviewed, she's a career changer. She's um, was a lawyer at one point and a college professor, among other many wonderful things. But she was talking about when she's had job interviews, actually asking the employer, 
what their core desired feelings are and what like really getting into. I think a lot of times when we interview for jobs, we forget that it's a two way street. Like they we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. But I think sometimes we're like, ah, pick me, pick me, pick me. Look how great I am that we forget to like ask those questions. And then you get into the situation. And then maybe once you start to realize like, uh oh, what have I done? (laughs) I've made a terrible mistake because it's not what you thought it was because you didn't ask those questions up front when you had the opportunity. So I think, you know, I love that. I was like asking in an interview their core desired feelings. And if they align with yours, that was like mind blowing to me. But it's really a great idea and a simple thing you could do. Yes. Always ask questions. The last thing I always do with all of my candidates is I say, what questions do you have for me? Whether it's about the job, about the company that our our program is with, uh, the just anything. I mean, just, just ask it because I purposely leave five to 10 minutes at the end of every candidate interview to allow people to ask me questions like that. Because number one, I think it's important in the first round of interviewing, which is typically with me or someone from my team uh, to, you know, to have people ask a lot of the logistical things and to work out the kinks. Um, But also, because I want someone to walk away from their conversation with me feeling positive and uplifted and hopeful that a change is coming soon for them. And if that means walking away with every piece of information that they were wondering about, or it was a burning question of theirs, then I want that for them, which is why I welcome that. And I think that hiring managers, you know, that person's going to report to you, you are a hiring manager you can also encourage people to do that as well and just say, hey, I'm an open book. What questions do you have for me? And that's going to build trust with that person. So if you do end up extending an offer to them for your opening on your team, then they're going to come in on day one and say, this person cared about the questions I had. So that means I can ask questions on the job and not feel like someone's going to say, oh, well, shouldn't you already know that? Yeah, excellent. And you kind of touched upon this. My next question was, you offered some great advice for maybe folks seeking a new opportunity or career changes or anything like that. But what right now, so many employers are struggling with job vacancies and I'm seeing job fairs popping up in industries that I've never seen them before. It's kind of fascinating and it's been a constant kind of, um, tape that I've been hearing playing like there's no applicants there's no applicants we have so many vacancies so I'm wondering like what can they be doing more of what advice would you give to an employer maybe with some job vacancies right now that's a great question um I think at one extreme you know you think about how companies really do need to come to the realization that candidates are getting to pick where they want to go. It's not the other way around. And I don't know if I foresee the market changing all that much in, you know, the coming months or even in the following year, because we're, we're still very much in the pandemic, I would say. Um, But but I think that at that extreme, you know, at that, at that extreme end of the spectrum, companies could really be revamping some policies, Um, benefits, the way that they present those to people. And now I understand, you know, if you're a hiring manager, you may not have the levers to pull there and that's okay. 
But I think still continuing to advocate, you know, with your HR department or someone in uh, in hiring or talent, someone who has a stake in those kinds of things, at least making your voice heard and saying, hey, you know, I know that we have X, Y, and Z for things we offer to people when we hire them, but what else can we be doing? Can I offer, you know, my suggestions? Because if you think something is off or if you think that something is missing, they're not going to know unless you tell them. And, you know, it, it seems, it seems like maybe that goes against the, you know, the point of having, uh, you know, an HR team or someone similar to that, because you think that they would think of those things, but, you know, unless people speak up, they're going to assume all as well. So you do have to make yourself known and, you know, be vocal about those kinds of things. But, you know, if you're not in a position to do that, and that's maybe not something that uh, you want to get too deep into um, as, you know, someone who has an opening on a team or, or multiple openings, you can take it to the other end of the spectrum and at least just be open to the types of people that you hire. Uh, you know, people have these requirements of, of roles and that is perfectly reasonable because you need someone who is qualified to, to work on your team and at your company. But at the same time too, looking at transferable skills, perhaps someone is, you know, was military and they don't have, you know, corporate America experience. I did some military hiring previously and uh, the the idea that um, a lot of those skills from from serving are applicable to certain types of roles in in our world and in, in civilian world, uh, you know, never even crossed my mind before I did that. So you know, you you do have to look at it from the lens of well, how can I count this person in versus how can I rule them out? Because mm, that I love that, that shift. Yeah, it's it's more about just opening yourself up to the possibilities and. You know, you may surprise yourself that you interview someone who is maybe not who you would have chosen to interview, but they knock your socks off and they give you everything you're looking for. They just maybe need some coaching in a couple of areas. We're all coachable and we all, you know, still need a little bit of, uh, you know, we have to meet that learning and educational curve that comes with a new role and that's okay. But I think that, you know, as a hiring manager, if you're if you're more open and you decide to welcome more more types of people into your pipeline and the people that you meet with for interviews, that's going to set you up for that culture ad that I alluded to earlier versus just looking for someone who fits the, the puzzle piece that's missing. You need that diversity of thought on your team, most likely. Wow. I love that. That's a really nice kind of shift, I think, yeah. in, in thinking about the whole process. Thank you for sharing that. So now I'm wondering, and oh, by the way, I've already decided we're going to call the episode The Jolly Recruiter because I'm now obsessed with that. Um, so how can folks find you? How can we connect with you? Yes, you can absolutely connect with me. Um, as, as I mentioned before, I'm definitely very active on LinkedIn since I am in hiring. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn. My, my name on there is Andrea Jolly. Yes, that is definitely my real last name. Uh, so hopefully easy to remember. And uh, you can connect with me on there uh, if you want to stay up to date with all of the things that I'm doing in terms of hiring um, and also some of my, my side hustle work. Um, but otherwise you can email me, uh, thejollyrecruiter at gmail.com. 
Uh, and I am also on Instagram uh, at The Jolly Recruiter. And I am also on Facebook as The Jolly Recruiter. And uh, you can follow, like, shoot me a comment or a message, uh, anything at all. I am definitely a big uh, social media person and I love connecting with people on really any avenue I can. Uh, so I'm, I'm active on all of those platforms and I would love to hear from you if there's something that I could potentially help with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. We'll make sure that all of your contact info is saved in the episode notes so folks can get grab it there as well. And um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. This was fun. Andrea hit the nail on the head when she emphasized that self-care is different for everyone and that it is not necessarily mani, petties, and bubble baths. It is far more than that. And rest is so, so important, as is movement. It may take some trial and error to figure out how best to care for yourself, but it is oh so worth it. We must shift the narrative that makes us feel that if we prioritize our needs, we must be selfish, or worse, that we do not need self-care, which is 100% a lie perpetuated by an oppressive culture that values money for some over true health and wellness. The pandemic has had many folks reevaluating what is and what is not important. People are realizing that neglecting your health and wellness is not a way to live. If you are considering a career move, Andrea offers some great tips and advice for those looking for a new opportunity. I firmly believe, and my doctoral research supports the idea that if employers and leaders prioritize their own self-care and promote it for others, we can make a big impact on job satisfaction, retention, engagement, and more. And no matter what industry you are in, this will lead to better outcomes all around. Asking a potential employer about how they ensure their culture promotes wellness is a great idea. Think about what is important to you at the core. You can't buy time and you can't get time back. Take care of yourself always, even when looking for a new job. Remember, you are interviewing them to assess if this is a fit for you also. You're a catch. Start acting like one and opening yourself up to infinite possibilities. Thanks for listening to this episode. We are thrilled to launch the first episode of 2022 and season two of the podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, reach out by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self-Care or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. Thanks and be well. 